yo, yo, what is good? It's your boy B. Moore, joined by my co-host Rustin Stewart, and this is the From New York to the Shop podcast. Russ, what is good, bro? What up, man? How you doing, dog? I'm chilling. I'm chilling, man. I'm excited about this show. We have actor, writer, director Carmen Corral joining the show later up. So later on. So I am so excited about that. And um, I'm excited about the response that we got from last week's show. Russ, what about you? Definitely excited about last week's show. I'm excited about this week's show. You know, we have been having some pretty amazing guests on the show these last few weeks and you know i'm just excited to keep this ball rolling a lot of amazing feedback for from the spicy interview a lot of women that i know reached out to me and told me how useful the information that she gave during that interview and you know like i said just trying to make people better and a lot of women have reached out to me and said like how do we get this to the men that need to hear it. And I was like, well, you got to share it. <laughs> you got to tell them about the interview. Yeah. Tell them was, about the show. It was an eye opening interview. And uh, we thank her so much for, for the knowledge, the jewels of knowledge and the wisdom that she dropped. Uh, it was absolutely one of our best shows. Uh, the response that we have been getting from that show is it's almost kind of overwhelming. You know, the, the YouTube views and the people listening on the on the podcast platforms. She came on the show and she did her thing. And, and one of the biggest things that I'm getting from people is that she knew her stuff, Russ. Like this wasn't just someone who's been in a relationship before who came on and was winging it. Like she knew what she was talking about. And you could feel that in her in the information she gave. Right, definitely. Mariella, who has called in to the show, my friend, she said that, you know, she's kind of dealt with dating coaches and relationship experts in the past. And, you know, it was like this plan, this drawn out plan on how yeah. to find this person or things to do in your relationship. And she told me that she really enjoyed Spicy's take because it came out of a of a love you know, yeah, arena where it was more about love, more about loving yourself and knowing yourself. And then once you start working on yourself, you can find that person. Absolutely. And we're going to recap uh, that show with Spicy Marty in a little bit. Uh, but Russ Scotty Pippen was in the news uh, earlier this week. So I want to talk about that for a little bit. Monday, Scotty Pippen was on the Dan Patrick show. And he was promoting his new Digits bourbon. And he was asked about comments he made in GQ magazine uh, saying that Phil Jackson, uh, he drew up the play for Tony Kukoc for the last shot in the Bulls second round playoff series against the Knicks in 1994. And he said that that was racially motivated. Have you heard any of these um, comments that Scottie Pippen made, Russ? Yeah, I've heard a little bit about those comments. I think that Scottie Pippen is trying to sell his book. That's coming out in the fall. And I feel like he's trying to sell that bourbon that he just came out with. So, you know, people are going to respond or people are going to respond to like negative energy sometimes and stuff that happened in the past. So I think that he's just maybe going back down um, old memories of something that will pop. You know, I 
don't have any feelings on Phil Jackson. And, and I don't know. I don't know the man if he's a racist or, or whatnot. But there have been some things that Phil Jackson has done in his life and career that, you know, him writing a, a book and, and throwing Kobe Bryant under the bus, you know, so that says a lot. Now, I have a direct quote from Phil. Um, so this is Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick said, by saying it was a racial move, then you're calling Phil Jackson a racist. Pippen said, I don't have a problem with that. Dan Patrick went, said, so do you think Phil was? And Pippen says, oh, yeah. So he kind of doubled down on that. And then he went on to say that uh, Jordan made a selfish decision when he embarked on a baseball career after the Bulls had won their three championships. He quote, I quote, he said, yeah, it was a big decision, but it was a selfish decision. But it was kind of who Michael Jordan was. That was a guy who believed he can do anything on his own. So in my opinion, it seems like Scotty is like he seems not bitter but he seems kind of disgruntled you know I, I feel like he's kind of fed up for all of the years of him not really giving being given the props that he probably deserves you know I feel like in instead of people talking about how great Scottie Pippen was you know this is one of the best basketball players of all time I feel like he's just known as Michael Jordan's Robin to to Mike to Mike being the Batman you know he's known as this sidekick instead of really giving his props and I feel like he's fed up you know that's what I'm getting from this so um I I agree with you Scotty has a book coming out I think this is really got it if you weren't interested in that book by now <laughs> I think all of the stuff that you're hearing I I feel like we we are really gonna uh be interested in, in hearing what's in that book you know because He's been going in on on on, the, on social media and, and in these interviews. He's been going in and he's also talked about, you know, Doc Rivers ruining Ben Simmons career, you know, by benching him. So he's definitely seems like he's had something to say about everything. And before we bring Miss Karma Corral back on the show, I just want to uh, get back to the Spicy Mighty interview. Um, you know, I will say I agreed with like 99% of what she said. The only thing I have a little bit pause on <laughs> I think is the it's sharing the, the password. It's, it's sharing the password. That password Come I'm on. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm, mm. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do it. <laughs> Spicy, we love you over here at From New York to the Side, but that password sharing and let me get it let me let me tell the people right because i know women are like oh what you hiding what you what you got going on if you i just feel like some things just don't need to be shared that's all right 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 and, and here's my um here's my take on it every conversation that's in my phone is not about me it's not about me russ like I have friends like what if you know you could be going through a situation with your girlfriend with your significant other with you know um you know with your family and those could be conversations and text message ex exchanges that are personal on your end that you are telling me 
And it doesn't even really have anything to do with me at that point. It's about the other person who's on the other end. It's about their personal conversation and their privacy as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, but we, but Spicy touched on that, right? I mean, you also have to trust your partner not to just go through your phone snooping, right? Like how she said, she knows that she had her husband has a group of friends and they on a thread and they share information. Like you also got to trust to know that she's not going in there and looking at those messages right spicy Mari is in a very healthy relationship we're talking about people who are seeking out dating you know advice and dating coaches we're talking about the the average to below average relationship that is not in that place that we aspire to so if you are in a relationship with someone who you know that relationship you know still has some let's say area of opportunity you know in order to get better that can be dangerous you know for you to say i have access to this person's password but well, i'm going to ex- i'm going to exercise maximum restraint i think even that comes things- with a, a a long period of time of knowing that person though be of course you're right. not going to get in a relationship and then give the passwords up. I think that comes after you right. really know that your partner will not violate your privacy like that. You know, right, right. So, right. And and speaking of this, uh, we have a phone call. So we kind of want to get to our phone call. We have Masai from Philly. So Masai, thanks for checking Philly, in, bro. Philly. And uh, yeah, yeah, we got a Philly caller, man. Philly in the building. So uh, hey, oh, let's I hope get it, to our I hope next it's call. Not, I hope it's not an angry call because you know Philly, they kind of. Disappointed in the playoffs. Mm. Uh, I listened to the call. I think Masai sounds pretty chill. He okay, sounds cool. like a pretty smooth cool. brother. So cool, because you know Philly uh, fans. <laughs> let's check it out. Yo, B, this yeah, this this show with Spicy was like right up my alley, man. We she had on like all of these topics that me and my lady, we've been together, me and my lady been together for eight years now. <clears throat> all these topics that we be dealing with on a regular basis. But like the co-host, um, I think it's Russ, he um he brought up that question about the passwords and access and stuff. And I don't know if he was asking it because he wasn't with it, but I ain't with it either. And I don't really, and I ain't being hypocritical about it. Like, I don't have a desire to want my lady's passwords or access to anything of hers like that. So that's why I don't really understand why anybody would want to have their partner's information like that. Like, it doesn't seem like transparency is one thing, but like, I just feel like you need to be able to maintain like a sense of individuality in a relationship. Like, yeah, you are like one, but like, that doesn't mean that you have, just have to lose any sense of like privacy or individuality just because you're in a relationship. And um, the thing that made my lady, for example, interested in me is who I was as a person. So like, if you just continue to keep changing and just open yourself up and just morphing yourself into not just an individual self, but just like a, a role player in a relationship, then like who are you like you kind of like lose the thing or the essence of who you were that your girl fell in love with in the first place so like it's like they want this certain kind of thing and then when they find it eventually they just keep chipping away and chipping away until you only recognize yourself no more and they probably don't even want you after that after you just change so much into what they think that they want you to be but I don't know, man. It's just hard because the girls be feeling like they, like they want the spicy, 
but they also want the security. And it's like, I don't know how you can like, do, not, I'm not saying I don't know how you can do both, but the thing that makes you who you are is what brought the girl to your front door in the first place. And I just think it's important to maintain some of that without, you know, giving up everything for the sake of the relationship. I just think it needs to be a lot more compromising and respect uh, from women at times because, you know, we it's science, man. Like, you know, God's going to have to be God's to a certain degree. All right. Thank you, Messiah, for the uh, the phone call. Um I see where Masai is coming from. You know, I, I do think that in a relationship, I think the only uh, constant in life is change. So I think you do have to be willing to change and willing to evolve. But uh, yeah, I, the, the fella's not giving up that password, Russ. That, I mean, when it all, you could say you could put all the, the science and, and all the, the theory behind it. But at the end of the day, fellas ain't giving up the password. That's what that's what I'm that's what it seems like. You know, I was telling one of my friends this the other day. I have a goal to be in a relationship and leave my phone out if it rains or if I get a text message alert and I'm in the shower. I want to be able to say, baby, can you check see who that is? I mean, that's what I want because I'm not hiding anything and I'm not up to anything. But. I, I kind of go back and forth with this, be honestly, because I do see her point. Now, will I give my password up? That's something that I will have to be in a relationship for a very long time, <laughs> like three to four years where I know that she's just not going in my phone and snooping because that's what it's not. It's that That's not what it's about. And Spicy said that, you know, but I feel like sometimes like, say, for instance, something happens to me. Right. And. I'm in a coma or I die or something like there's some probably some information or I go missing and there's my phone like maybe then it's probably cool to have the password so you know it's it's I just go back and forth but I'm I'm not not giving my password up until I fully 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 trust and that's going to be a while yeah, I, I would. I, I feel like looking back on it, I would give the password up. But in a healthy relationship, that in a healthy, is, uh, and we're talking about is, a healthy relationship. You yeah, know? that's been that's been that's been uh, going on for a while. So, uh, just wanted to get that phone call in and recap. Um, thank you, Masai, the, the for show that. that we had, Masai, bro. Thank you for the well thought. And that's man, our listeners, they give us well thought out calls it's not like people are just calling in the show just saying whatever like people put thought into these calls like you could tell that Masai you know he really you know has some has some thought and you know has some introspection you know behind that that call so we appreciate and, it you know um, Masai congratulations to being with your girl for eight years that's an accomplishment in this time of day that's an accomplishment so I wish you guys you know a bright future so thank you for listening and thanks for the support dope dope Thank you again, Masai, for the call. Russ, I'm super excited for our next guest. She's a writer. She's a director. She does a little bit of acting. She's a dancer. She's a choreographer. She does it all. She's a true Renaissance woman. So I am super excited to have Miss Carmen Corral joining us next on the show. And I can't wait to talk to her and uh, hear what she's going to tell us about Hollywood. Right? I mean, she's covering all bases. You go, girl. Up next, Miss Carmen Corral. Our next guest is a first-generation Mexican-American actor, 
writer, director, dancer, and choreographer. She hails from the northwest side of Chicago, and after graduating from UCLA with a BA in acting, she starred in various television and film roles and is most well known for her recurring role on TNT's hit drama Southland. She created, wrote, and directed a web series called BFFs in which she won an award for Best Directing at Miami's WebFest. She also wrote and directed Clave, an immigrant salsa dance film inspired by her experiences dancing in the L.A. salsa scene. And currently... She's a writer's assistant on ABC's hit comedy series, Home Economics. And she is joining us right now. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm from New York to the shy welcome to Miss Carmen Corral. Carmen, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Thank you, Brian. Oh, that was so well done. It was so special. I'm very good. Thank you so much. I mean, you do it all, Carmen. I mean, you cover all the boxes. Oh, God, it's such a hustle, you guys. I have to do it all. Right. I have to. But I love it. I love all the art forms. Yeah. Great. Well, let's get right into it. First of all, let's. when did you know that you wanted to be an actor, writer, and director in the television and film industry? When was that moment? Um, <laughs> uh, I was... God, that's that's a funny question. Um, I was always really shy, and I would um, they would call on me in class to read out loud, and I noticed that in that moment I wasn't shy, and so I kind of understood that I had a gift for presenting myself. Um, and then you know I'm a very emotional person, so I noticed that with acting I could funnel all the crazy stuff I was feeling inside I was like oh this is great this is like therapy um at the same time I I was obsessed with the Sandlot do you guys remember the Sandlot with Benny the Rodriguez yes yeah I, I I was obsessed with him and then I decided that um I heard that he was going to go to UCLA to study law and I was so obsessed with him I said oh I'm going to go to UCLA um and then I'll run into him and then he'll fall in love with me and then uh <laughs> all makes sense in the world. And so that's what I did. I decided I was going to go to UCLA. But then it, it turned out that UCLA was the top acting program in the country by coincidence. Wow. So it kind of felt like, like divine intervention. felt like God was like, yeah, you like this boy, but it's really about your dream and acting. Um, and at the same time, I was doing an inner city youth program at Free Street here in Chicago. Um, that was like amazing uh, for, for inner city kids and they taught us how to write, they taught us how to act. Um, it was, it, it blew my mind. It, it shaped me as an artist and, and actually that's when I started writing, but I didn't realize I was a writer till way later. Um, and then, you know, uh, directing just comes with writing and it all kind of lends itself to, and at the same time, I actually was taking dance here in Chicago. I was doing ballet. It's kind of funny because my sister, uh, I went to my sister crying at 11 and was like, I'm only smart. I have no talent. <laughs> <laughs> and so she put she put me in ballet. And so concurrently, I was also taking dance. And so that's kind of how it all started. Right. Wow. Now, we, we see a lot of beautiful female actors on camera, but you don't actually hear about many women 
behind the scenes in the writer's room, uh, directing behind the camera. So tell me a little bit about that transition uh, from being in front of the camera as an actor to behind the scenes. Yeah, um, I started writing and I wanted someone to give me a shot, I think with writing and nobody was. And so, and I, I knew a lot of producers, but they knew me as an actress. And I noticed that they never took me seriously when I would pitch myself. Uh, I think they just saw me as a pretty actress. Um, and then that's when I decided, I was like, oh, I have to bet on myself. And I had all these savings from these national commercials that I had done. And I said, okay, I'm going to make a movie and I'm going to write it and I'm going to direct it and I'm going to produce it. And I'm going to, I'm going to prove to myself and to everyone that I am a creator and a writer. Um, and that's what I did. And it was incredibly hard. It was incredibly expensive and it wasn't perfect, but I'm proud of myself. And it, I showed people that I was this creator. So that was, and it, and it's still, it, it was, it's still a challenge because a lot of people still see me as like this pretty actress, a lot of producers that I know. Uh, but now I, I, after I've gotten into several writing programs, um, they're, t- they're taking me seriously and they're reading me. They're reading my material and I'm, I'm getting hired to do jobs with these same producers that, you know, might have not seen me as, as a writer, uh, several years ago. Yeah. I mean, you know, we know about Sylvester Stallone, how he created Rocky because nobody was taking him seriously back in the day. So he pretty much, you know, he had to be a jack of all trades and you took a similar path. I mean, it's unfortunate that we have to do that as minorities, but we have to, you know, that's the only way to break through. Right. Yeah, it's it's true. Yeah. What what technique did you uh use to help you memorize lines because I've dibbled and dabbled with acting and I had an acting class like right before I moved down to Miami and I had to do uh, Othello. So I had to memorize these lines and it's been so long since I had to memorize lines. I'm like, what? How can I do this in such a short period of time? So I'm just interested to see how you go about it when you was doing most of your work as an actor. Oh, it felt easier when I was at UCLA because um, you do it so much. Uh, I don't think I was great at it. I, a lot of times I would I would default to improvisation, uh, which is also good because you're thinking on your feet. But I mean, I did it and I do it still. Um, I, I would say everyone is different because people are a different kind of learners. Um, so. I think for me, it was just, oh, I know what I would do. I read through the script several times as with the intentions that I want to say it in, but I don't memorize. And I read it several, several times until it starts to feel natural in my, in my mouth. And then that's, and then once it starts feeling natural, that's when I double down and I, I go line by line and I, I memorize it, but I never liked the process. And I think that's the main reason why I stopped acting. I just don't like the idea that you have to be memorized and like, oh, this is too much. Right, <laughs> right. So, But I respect actors so much. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's tough work. Um, just to talk a little bit more about, I know you write and you direct, but just kind of like your technique that you learned at UCLA when it came to acting. What technique did you, did you do the Adler, the Meisner? 
God, I don't remember exactly what we did. We dabbled in a lot of different things. Mainly different we ones. did scene, scene study. We did scene study and we did, uh, I think we might have done some Meisner. Is that the one where you go, hey, hey, h- how are you? How are you? Is that that one? Yeah. Yeah, we, we did that one. Uh, but UCLA wasn't like NYU where they do very like specific um concentration okay we, we kind of dabble in a lot of different uh okay. disciplines yeah all right so since since we just kind of we're still in it but we're kind of coming out of this pandemic there wasn't a lot going on as far as like hollywood you know films being made shows being made so what did you do to occupy your time did you just uh start writing like crazy carmen I was, yeah. I said to myself, okay, if I'm not getting opportunities, I can't blame anyone but myself because that's easy to blame your agents. And I'm like, nope, it, 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 do I need to up my game? I said, my samples are going to be perfect. They're going to be as perfect as I can make them. And I wrote like a crazy lady. I think I wrote three pilots and I made sure that they were beautiful and they were strong. Um, and then because of that, I, through the help of some friends that recommended me to the program, I got into NHMC, which is a very prestigious, uh, Latino writing, writing program. And through that, I wrote another pilot. They, they helped us through. And from there, I got my writer's assistant job. So it was kind of like a domino effect of goodness of like right. me saying, like, I can't blame anyone else for me not getting work. It's up to me and, and kind of setting myself up for that high standard for writing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good things came out of the pandemic. You know, I mean, you had time to just kind of sit down and, and write and do your thing. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It was crazy. I was like, Oh my God, I feel like a mad scientist. I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) now Carmen, you were born and raised on the Northwest side of Chicago and you went to college at UCLA before in your yeah. act, before starting your acting career. Now, for those aspiring actors, writers, and directors, what is the best and worst thing about the television and film industry? And if you had like one piece of advice to give these young people to be successful, what would it be? So I guess that's a two-part but, question. Okay, best advice, always, 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 is don't be an asshole because everyone yep. remembers Yep. Everyone talks about it. And that's the one thing that I've learned. Anytime you get into a program, it's because someone, somebody loves you and pushed for you. And everyone, every time you didn't get a job, it's because someone spoke up and said, I worked with that person and they're an asshole. So be kind because everyone remembers. And so that's my biggest advice. Uh, another one is, um, it is who you know. And I know it sounds cliche. But the more that I, the longer I'm in this industry, it's your, it's who your friends are because they're going to go to you for the job first. They're not going to go, they're not going to go read a bunch of scripts. They're going to be like, Oh, my friend, she's Mexican. Oh, she's a comedy writer. I'm just going to hire her because I don't feel like reading 50 scripts from these people that I never worked with. So it is like meet people, be genuine, create relationships and be humble and be flattering. Like people like to be flattered. Tell people how amazing they are. I respect your work. Um, get a mentor and flatter the crap out of them. Also because you, you do believe it. You're like, you're amazing. I respect your work. Can we get lunch? That is how you get almost all of your jobs. 
I like that advice, Carmen. It's very it's important just being a stand-up person, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, as a woman of color working in Hollywood, what are some of the challenges and obstacles you faced and what strategies have you had to implement in order to overcome them? Oh, God. That's a very intense question because I feel all of that. Um, We're putting you on the hot seat, Carmen. <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest disconcerting thing that I've heard was, like, I see a lot of white males that are very successful. And, I've, and then I've heard people say, oh, it's because they're so good at what they do. And that makes you think, oh, if I'm not getting opportunities because I'm not so good at what I do. And I look at the trajectory of their career and how much easier it was. Like they literally did a short and an agent signed them. Like that is the trajectory of their career versus I've done a short, a web series. You know, I've, I've been hustling for all these years, you know, like, so I do, at first I was like, you can't blame people. It's, it's really up to you. It doesn't matter what color you are. It's not true. It, it, it is very biased. And if it's, if it's about who you know and the white people run the industry, then guess what? Most white people are friends with white people and you're not going to be the first person they go to. Um, so I, I see that I, at first I was like, wow, white people must be so much smarter, but it's not that. And that's what you internalize. Oh, they must be just innately more talented than me. But that's not true. Um, so, but what I feel so lucky is that I really have seen certain people in this industry trying to make it diverse. And the show that I'm on, woo, they are fucking trying at every fucking turn in every, in every minority pocket. Like from the, from the, uh, writer's PA to the writer's assistant to the writers of the room to the people they hired to do the part. Um, to the content that they're including on the show. Um, you know, and these are mostly, you know, white creators. And so I'm so grateful. Um, you know, I wouldn't have, a, have had an opportunity to be a writer's assistant, writer's assistant had not one of the characters on the show's show been Mexican American. And they needed, they had that need for that voice because I'm Mexican American. So they were specifically like, we need a female Mexican American writer's assistant. You know, when, when else was that opportunity going to be made just for me? But, but now because of these showrunners. So I'm really seeing, um, that love from, 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 from my, sh from this show. And, and it makes me very hopeful for the future. Yeah. You know, I, I, you see that with everything that's going on in the world today and this push for, more diversity. I think like a lot of black and brown actors need to really take advantage of this time that we're, we're yeah. seeing because we're pretty hot right now. So everybody wants to incorporate us, incorporate us in these shows, you know, from acting to writing to directing. I, I, I feel sad about that word because it makes, cause hot feels very temporary. Very, very like, temporary, yes. But yes. I know what you mean. I wish right. it wasn't that we were hot. I wish that right. it was just normal and we were just 
we we're here now. And, exactly. And I hope we and I hope we stay. And it's not a trend. So you know, being in college, and I used to hate writing, Carmen. I used to wait to the last minute. Could you just give us some of your tips to kind of get you in that writing mode to where you can create, like some of the things that you do before you sit down and put that pen or that or start typing on that uh, computer. The first thing is to live because all of writing is living. So go have adventures. If you haven't lived, then your writing's going to be boring as hell. So go, go live. Um, and then, um, my process is very different. I learned it from my inner city, uh, youth program in high school. I mean, when I was in high school and they believe they taught me how to do stream of consciousness writing and thinking. So what ha- what I do, I don't even touch the computer. I don't touch the computer until like a week later because it's too much pressure. Yeah. So what I do is um, I lay in bed or I lay on a mat and or I walk or I walk. And then I just think about what am I trying to say? Who's my character? What are the themes? I imagine what the pilot might look like. It's just stream of consciousness, like daydreaming. And then anytime I like something, I have a notebook, I have tons of notebooks, and I just write down things that I like. Oh, I like that. She's this, right. you know, she's bulimic, or or she has this weird tick, or uh, her wound is that, you know, her dad never came back and, you know, abandoned her, or, oh, the funny gag for this comedy thing, that joke that I could, you know, do three times in the pilot or whatever. And then I just, and then once I feel very confident of like, this is what I'm trying to say with this piece. That's when I go into the computer and I start laying down some basic beats. Because whenever you're just staring at a blank screen on the computer, that's like death. I yeah. can't handle that. Believe pressure. me, I've been there. I've been there before. Do you find yourself wanting to talk to a lot of different people and experience different people to create your characters that you oh create? Oh, my God. Because you said you were shy earlier, so. Yeah, well, it's funny. I just wrote a love, a love addiction, a pilot that deals with love addiction, and um, I kind of was. I went on a few dates with someone, and I know, and it was kind of triggering that love addiction inside of me. And I, and he, he was such an interesting person that I was like, oh, oh God, this is my main character. (laughs) <laughs> and so I just inspired my, he inspired my main character and he made me relive all these feelings of like love addiction that I hadn't felt in a while. And so, yeah, in, in, because of him, I was able to write that pilot. Wow. Wow. I don't think was, he doesn't know. He doesn't know it though. <laughs> if it's too similar, he will know. <laughs> no, it's, oh. it's not too similar. I always, uh, change it up a, a little bit. Yeah. No, a lot actually. Okay. What are yeah. some of your like directors or writers or actors that you've that have inspired you, Carmen, throughout your your journey? Um uh uh Michaela Cole and I need to show you uh Chewingum. She's a, a black creator, black African creator from from England. Uh I'm obsessed with her. She's like a revelation to me. Okay. I'm gonna have to check I her also, out. Yeah, I also really love Phoebe Waller-Bridge from Leadback, and both of these women are writers, actors, directing, and show running their shows. The only difference is that I don't want to act in my shows anymore. I, right. So, but I I want to be like them, just not actually in my shows. Right. Um, and then some directors that I like, uh, I guess I like 
there's a movie by Carrie Fukunaga that I really like. That's one of his first movies. was called Sin Nombre. And then there's this indie film that I love called Desde Allá, the Venezuelan film. Um, I have strange taste with like movies and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, I would say those two women have really like shaped the direction that I want to go with my writing. Okay, cool. All right, yeah. Carmen. In the last five minutes that we have you here, um, yeah. what are some of the goals that you have and what can we hope to see from Carmen Corral in the future? Goals. Uh, I want, I want to show run my own show. Um, that's my long-term goal. I want to have, I want to sell my show. I want to show run it. Uh, I want to be a showrunner. My short-term goal is I want to get staffed. I want to be staffed on a TV show for the first time. Um, so I, I feel that both are very, um, very much on my horizon, you know, being that God gives me life and breath. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to, um, collaborate. I love collaborating with people and, and yeah, that's what you, that's what's to be in my future. And, you know, obviously any chance to also choreograph, I really like choreographing. It's a different way to direct, um, I see some choreographing in my future, perhaps, uh, with some shows. And, um, yeah, there's some things that are kind of maybe in the works with certain things. Nice. I love when people lead me into my next, into my questions. That was a perfect segue because oh. my next question is you wrote and directed a film called Clave based on the experience, your experiences in the LA salsa scene. Now, as someone who loves salsa dancing myself, oh. just tell me, a little bit of what the L.A. salsa scene is like, like kind of describe it because I haven't seen the movie. So just give me a little bit uh, of the of the lowdown on, on what the salsa scene in L.A. is like. Well, it's um, it's heavily influenced by the, uh, the the immigrant community because the L.A. style creators were all immigrants from like Mexico, El Salvador, Ecuador, um so, you know, there's that whole vibe. Um, they also kind of brought in like that Zootoop history, you know, with their costumes and stuff. And so there's, there's that built in LA history. And then as far as like modern day, um, well, you know, I feel like salsa is kind of sad because people love salsa all over the world, but it is, it is almost slightly fading just because the, the genre is, is not as strong as it was maybe in like the 90s or the 80s or the 70s so I think in the 90s the scene was really strong um and it still is I mean everyone like you go to clubs and they're packed it's just a different it's I felt like before it was like like a burgeoning a burgeoning of this like genre and now it's just like we just dance it and we love it and right uh, I see what you're saying with that yeah, I felt like a special time more back then, but it's yeah. still special for us because you know how sacred it is to dance and yeah, and you yeah. know it's it's fun, it's social. They become kind of like your family. Yeah, uh, but you know we we dance really showy over there. We're always showing off. You know we're not like in Chicago. <laughs> everyone's very a economical. Of, <laughs> a lot of styling. A lot of styling. A lot of a lot of, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, love I love it. I love it. Right. I love that. Yeah. All right. So we are going to get you out of here. But what we always do 
for our guests, we like to play a rapid fire game called 20 Questions. So, Rust, I got if it. you could I'm please it up right now, baby. set it to one minute. The, don't think about it. These are okay. just rapid fire questions. Okay, good. Uh, and let me know when you're ready, Rust. Okay. All right, we're giving you a countdown. Three, two, you're on the clock. What's the first thing you do or think about when you wake up? Um, am I going to be successful? Can I get through the day? Hot or cold? Hot. Pizza or wings? Pizza. Warm LA winters or summertime shy? Summertime shy. Yeah. Name an item every actress should own. Every actor? Yes. Um, oh God. Uh, uh, I don't know. And say something, ther- say a something. Therapist, a therapist. <laughs> That's a good Prince one. or Michael Jackson? What? Uh, Prince. Venice Beach or North Avenue Beach? Uh, North Avenue. Salsa or bachata? 10 more seconds. <sighs> Salsa. Directing or acting? Directing. If heaven exists, what would you want to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? Uh, I told you I was there. <laughs> Time, I like it, Carmen. It's such a Carmen Corral, everyone. Thank you so much, Miss Carmen Corral. Thank you so much for joining the show. We appreciate you. Oh, it's my pleasure, you guys. Um, good luck with everything, and um, yeah, thank you. Good luck with everything too. Maybe one day we might cross paths because I do. I'm an aspiring actor, so maybe yeah. one day. Our paths will cross. <laughs> Absolutely. If you ever see something that you think you'd be good for, and I'm the showrunner, just uh, you have my information. I definitely will, because like you said earlier, it's all in who you know, right? And now we yep. know each other. <laughs> exactly right. Much, yeah. much success to you, Carmen. It was a pleasure. See you guys too. Bye, guys. Bye. All right. Thank you so much, Miss Carmen Corral, for that interview. Thank you so much for the love and for joining the show. We appreciate it. Um, I love that interview. Russ, did you learn any more? Being a, a fellow thespian yourself, did you learn anything from that interview? I think she made some really good points, especially about, you know, ways to break into this industry. And a lot of times people miss, miss it. It's just about being a good person because... This industry is small once you get to the top, right? Or once you're climbing up and you really have to treat people, everybody on the on the set, from the crew to the person that's making the the bystanders stop. Because, you know, we're in New York and Chicago, right, B? So how many times have we walked down a street and there's some person saying we can't walk right now because they're filming? Being nice to even those people because... You, you go up, you don't know who you're going to uh, see going back down. Right. That's real. That's real. All right, Russ. Um, if people want to support the show, what should they do? You know what, B? They should just subscribe to the show. And while you're subscribing, just go ahead and subscribe on all the platforms. Just Might as well just go ahead and just go to Apple, go to Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just go ahead and subscribe for us because we really appreciate that. And while you're subscribing, how about you share all of this knowledge, all of this goodness, all of this love. Tell a friend to tell a friend. If you like this show, 
I bet you someone else would like it as well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the only way the show will grow is if you guys are sharing the show and we appreciate appreciate you guys for listening. But also, please tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. Uh, let them know that we got a dope podcast going on. And uh, we thank you guys for listening, for sharing and subscribing and uh, for just joining us. You know what I'm saying? We do this podcast. Uh, me and Russ do it, but it's nothing without the listeners. It's nothing without you guys who tune in and give us the comments and the feedback. So uh, you guys are a part of the show. It's nothing without the people calling in. We love you guys and we appreciate it so much. So, um, Russ, uh, if people want to follow you on Instagram, what can they what can they find you? You can find me at Rustin underscore steward. Pretty much you put in Rustin underscore and I pop up. So um Taking a little break from Instagram is getting a little bit too much. But if you go to my page, you can definitely find some workout tips and some positive quotes. So I love to get you following me and I follow you back. Dope. And you can find me at B more for photography. Uh, That's B-E-M-O-O-R-E, the number four photography uh thank you guys so much for joining us this has been the from new york to the shy podcast as we always say peace and bless peace and blessings hey living life and grinding every day that's the way i play never mind what i had to say chasing paper life. living life and grinding every day